Welcome to Music for Life, enhancing the Armstrong concert experience. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. In today's episode, we will explore the beloved Violin Concerto, a work for solo violin and orchestra by Felix Mendelssohn. This will be the featured work on an all-Mendelssohn concert at Armstrong Auditorium on Thursday, November 1st, when violinist Anna Kiko Myers joins the Mozart Orchestra of New York under the baton of the legendary Gerard Schwartz. Also on today's episode, we will briefly spotlight all these artists, plus we have an exclusive interview with Ms. Myers herself. So stick around as we spotlight Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto and the artists bringing it to Armstrong, today on Music for Life. This year we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of our concert series, and for some of our events this season, we are bringing back names from years past. One of those is the Mozart Orchestra of New York, and its legendary conductor, Gerard Schwartz. They came to Armstrong a few years ago with a program of the last three Mozart symphonies. We discussed the orchestra and the conductor on a pre-concert talk that season. To learn more about Gerard Schwartz and this orchestra, you could even revisit that episode. It's episode 20. But for the sake of this episode, I will briefly summarize and spotlight this quality ensemble and its illustrious conductor. Acclaimed as an outstanding ensemble of distinguished musicians, the Mozart Orchestra of New York performs a diverse repertoire in creatively programmed concerts. This 45-piece orchestra performed its debut concerts in the 2014-15 season and has toured throughout the United States in the subsequent seasons, together with the violinist Nadia Salerno-Sonnenberg and cellist Julian Schwartz. The ensemble was created by the distinguished American conductor Gerard Schwartz and the New York Chamber soloists, whose members act as the principal players for the Mozart Orchestra of New York. Maestro Schwartz has been involved with the New York Chamber soloists for over 30 years, performing with them first as a virtuoso trumpet player. His trumpet exploits, in fact, earned him a top seat in the New York Philharmonic under Pierre Boulez in the 1970s, and this was not long after graduating Juilliard, still in his early 20s. Schwartz is also well known for his work as conductor emeritus of the Mostly Mozart Festival and conductor laureate of the Seattle Symphony, in addition to conducting some of the most famous orchestras around the world, leading over 300 world premieres of new works and boasting a discography of more than 350 albums. In his nearly five decades as a respected classical musician and conductor, Maestro Schwartz has received hundreds of honors and accolades. Over the years, he has received six Emmy Awards, 14 Grammy nominations, eight ASCAP Awards, and numerous Stereo Review and Ovation Awards. He also recently founded the All-Star Orchestra, an ensemble of top musicians from America's leading orchestras featured in 16 television programs that have aired throughout the United States on public television, worldwide by internet streaming, and is the basis for their Khan Academy education platform that has already reached over 6 million students. As in popular sports, Schwartz created this all-star team of top orchestra musicians to encourage a greater understanding and enjoyment of classical music. 
We also interviewed Maestro Schwartz back in Season 1 in Episode 22, if you would like to listen to that. Again, the Mozart Orchestra of New York and Maestro Schwartz will be presenting an all-Mendelssohn program at Armstrong Auditorium Thursday, November 1st. The featured soloist will be Anna Kiko Myers, performing the beloved violin concerto by Felix Mendelssohn. Ms. Myers is one of today's most in-demand violinists, performing as guest soloist with the world's top orchestras, presenting groundbreaking recitals, commissioning and performing new music, and releasing best-selling recordings, as well as appearing on several popular television and radio programs. Anne was named Billboard's top-selling traditional classical instrumental soloist in 2014, and her album's have debuted at number one on Billboard Classical Charts. Ms. Myers is known for her passionate performances, purity of sound, deeply poetic interpretations, innovative programming, and commitment to commissioning significant new works from living composers. We will hear more from Anne later about her career and such, but first let's explore this wonderful work she'll be playing for solo violin and orchestra, the Violin Concerto in E Minor, Opus 64. It was written for Mendelssohn's childhood friend, Ferdinand David, who was also the concertmaster for the Leipzig Gewandhaus Orchestra, the orchestra for which Mendelssohn served as music director from 1835 until his death in 1847. In 1838, Mendelssohn wrote to his friend David, I should like to write a violin concerto for you next winter. One in E minor runs through my head, the beginning of which gives me no peace. Mendelssohn took six years to write this work, working closely with David on the composition, what would be his final large-scale orchestral work. It stands not only as one of Mendelssohn's most performed compositions, it is considered one of the greatest violin concerti ever written. The famed violinist Josef Joachim, for whom Brahms wrote his violin concerto, said this about the Mendelssohn. The Germans have four violin concertos. The greatest, most uncompromising is Beethoven's. The one by Brahms vies with it in seriousness. The richest, the most seductive, was written by Max Bruch. But the most inward, the heart's jewel, is Mendelssohn's. For a composer working in what we now call the early Romantic era, Mendelssohn wrote with a more traditional classical structure, though the spirit of his music clearly follows the ideals of the Romantic era. Despite this somewhat old-school approach to structure, the work has a couple of unique aspects, even structurally. First off, the soloist enters at the beginning of the piece after just a bar and a half of harmonic setup from the orchestra. What usually happened to this point was the orchestra would play a large section first to introduce the main themes to the listener's ears. Then the soloist would come in. Another unique aspect about this piece's structure is that, though it is in the standard three-movement format, there is no clear break in sound between each movement. As Ms. Myers points out in her interview, this makes it particularly challenging for the soloist to play for nearly 30 minutes with little time to rest, but it also gives the work a certain continuity and certainly guards against premature applause in between those movements. Let's go ahead and hear the first movement. What we do expect structurally is the presence of two contrasting motives or tunes. The first theme, the A theme, sounds like this. That first theme is in the brooding key of E minor, but the contrasting and more tranquil B theme comes in the bright, cheery key of G major. 
You will, of course, hear fragments of these themes throughout. We're going to be listening to a recording I have of Isaac Stern, violinist, performing with the Philadelphia Orchestra under Eugene Ormandy.
We just heard a recording of Eugene Ormandy conducting the Philadelphia Orchestra with violin soloist Isaac Stern. That was the first movement of Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto in E minor, a work to be featured at Armstrong Auditorium on Thursday, November 1st, when Gerard Schwartz and the Mozart Orchestra of New York team up with violin superstar Anna Kiko Myers. We have an interview with Ms. Myers a little later, but first we're talking about this beloved violin concerto. Again, we just heard the first movement, and you might have noticed that I faded it out before there was a break in the sound. That's because there is actually no clear break between the first and second movements of this work. The orchestra plays its final loud note at the end of the first movement, but the bassoon is instructed to continue sustaining through, connecting us to the lyrical and slow second movement. This movement is tender, sweet, and in the key of C major, the main theme goes like this. But the purity of this theme is contrasted by an absolutely angst-filled middle section. Finally, the ardor and tension of this section subsides, and we return to the delicate A theme before the movement draws to a close. So let's hear the second movement now. Since there is no actual sound break between the first and second movements, I'll fade it in as the bassoon is playing that connecting note between the first and second movements. Again, we're hearing a recording of violinist Isaac Stern with Eugene Ormandy and the Philadelphia Orchestra.
You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. In today's episode, we are exploring Felix Mendelssohn's beloved violin concerto in the lead-up to its performance at Armstrong Auditorium Thursday, November 1st by superstar violinist Anna Kiko Myers and the Mozart Orchestra of New York under Gerard Schwartz. In just a few moments, we also have an exclusive interview with Ms. Myers. We just heard the slow second movement of this concerto. We are listening to a recording by violinist Isaac Stern with the Philadelphia Orchestra under Eugene Ormandy. I faded out before the end of the second movement because there's a little tag at the end of that movement that leads us into the third movement. Let me play that here very briefly. Keep in mind that this is the very end of the second movement. where the third movement begins. This movement, instead of E minor, is in the gleamingly positive key of E major. It is characterized by this whimsical theme. This theme is contrasted with more bombastic material as well as more lyrical material. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to play this entire movement. I played this before on our season preview episode, but I'll play a little of the final moments so you hear the exalted and uplifting conclusion to end this great masterpiece. Thank you. 
there it is, the exuberant finale to Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto. And we are going to hear that piece on Thursday, November 1st at Armstrong Auditorium when Gerard Schwartz leads the Mozart Orchestra of New York, joining the world-famous violinist Anne Akiko Myers. I was able to speak with Ms. Myers over the phone recently. Here is that exclusive interview. I like to start out by just asking our artists who are coming here about their musical background, how they got started. I think that's interesting to the people who listen and kind of know where you came from and, and how, how you began as a musician. Myth has it that I started playing the violin in my mother's womb. <laughs> <laughs> it was very comfortable in there, and um, she would play a lot of music for me as a baby, and she read that it tremendously helps with the baby's brain development to listen to classical music. So I had a very steady diet of David Oistrakh performing uh-huh. the Beethoven Violin Concerto <laughs> and uh, the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto. Right. And when I actually began playing the violin, I was four years old. Hmm. So I started the violin in Ridgecrest, California, which is in the middle of the Mojave Desert. Uh-huh. And I had a very nice teacher, Shirley Helmick, and debuted with the local orchestra when I was seven years old. Mm. And already at that point, I wanted to study a little more seriously. So my mother, you know, we drove in her VW Beetle three hours each way for a violin lesson in Pasadena. Wow. And we had a lot of wild experiences with cows and snow and desert (laughs) (laughs) wonders that happen. But, you know, I would go in for a weekly lesson with this long drive. And we moved to uh, Los Angeles area when I was seven years old. And my father was president of Pasadena City College then. So um, I started studying with Alice and Eleanor Schoenfeld of the Colburn School of Performing Arts, as it was called back then, Mm. and would have weekly lessons for violin as well as chamber music lessons with her sister, Eleanor. And so that really um, exposed me to such an incredibly rich childhood of so much music and collaboration with my young colleagues. You know, uh, Gerard Schwartz and the uh, Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra were housed a lot uh, for about a year or so in the Ambassador Auditorium in Pasadena, and uh, that's our organization's predecessor. So that's really interesting. You have that history with, with Pasadena. I'm sure your dad knew of the, the Ambassador Foundation and the Ambassador Auditorium out there. Well, I would go to concerts, including the Berlin Philharmonic. I remember them playing at Ambassador Auditorium, which is extraordinary. And I've performed there many times with the Pasadena Symphony. Mm. Um, But going back to my childhood, um, I studied with Alice and Eleanor for several years and and was on many different television shows out here, including the Emmy Awards and That's Incredible and Ion LA and all these kinds of things, um, and performed with the Los Angeles Philharmonic when I was 11, and then won a competition to perform with the New York Philharmonic when I was 12. Soon after that, I studied with Joseph Gingold at Indiana University Mm -hmm. and studied there for about half of a year as a teenager. And my mother and sister helped me transition there. And my father, my poor father, was 
you know, on the West Coast. And so we were already separated as a family because of my violin studies. But I did send in a cassette tape to Dorothy DeLay, who mm-hmm. invited me to perform for her at the Aspen Music Festival. Right. And from then on, she um, invited me to the Juilliard School. And I lived in New York City for almost close to 25 years mm. um, and was traveling and touring and making full use of all three airports there. So <laughs> wow. I have very fond memories of living in New York City. After Juilliard, well, you already had quite a bit of a professional career or, or some fame to your name even as a teenager, but then your professional career got started. And maybe talk some about the highlights you've had as a concert violinist and some of the awards and achievements that you've been honored to receive. Well, it was really um, an amazing time to study with Dorothy DeLay and Masao Kawasaki, and I also played uh, chamber music with Felix Gallimere. And, you know, it was an incredibly impressionable time and to be surrounded with many talented kids. But I already signed with management when I was 16 Mm. and started um, concertizing and touring globally. And I made my first recording when I was 18 with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra in Abbey Road Studios. And uh, Dorothy DeLay actually came over to London to help me with my first recording. And that was really amazing because I chose the Barber Violin Concerto as my debut album. And that concerto wasn't performed all that regularly. So, mm-hmm. And I've always just had an incredible fascination for um, diversity and working with living composers and finding unusual works and works that haven't been played to death uh-huh. and trying to make them, you know, just live and um, see what kind of life they can have. So I've recorded 37 albums now to date and just released my latest album that five out of the six composers I worked with and collaborated with one-on-one. Um, and, you know, that's it's a very, very loaded question that you're asking of how many highlights, but I have to say I just returned back from Estonia, and Arvo Pert, who is today considered the most performed composer around the world, asked me to um, give the inaugural concerts at his brand-new Arvo Pert Center and Concert Hall. Wow. So that was just an extraordinary experience and kind of a once in a lifetime experience to have. I I also would say another big recent highlight was when John Williams, the great John Williams, was presented a Grammy Award for Lifetime Achievements. And I performed Schindler's List with members of the American Youth Orchestra here, conducted by David Newman. Hmm. And uh, we were at the Dolby Theater and to perform his music for him at that event, also televised on PBS and on great performances and broadcast um, nationally. So that was really, really exciting. Yes. Well, thinking about kind of circling into the realm of what you'll be performing at Armstrong and 
sort of related to what you said about trying to play works that have not been played to death. <laughs> you have this great work that you're you'll be performing uh, that has been played a lot, but of course, <laughs> it is. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to your rendition. But the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto, from your perspective, yeah. you know what what should audiences know about this piece? Why is it so important? You know what what do you love about this piece? Uh, you know it's not a it's not a new piece, but there's still always things to be you know, mind out of it. Talk about yeah, that a little. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing concerto. I mean, it has everything. It's beautiful structure, melodies, and such a lyrical, beautiful piece that it is. And it took Mendelssohn, you know, six years to compose this last orchestral work of his um, on a grand scale of this kind of work. And so he worked very closely with the concertmaster then of the Gavant House Orchestra, who was very instrumental in helping him work out a lot of, you know, problems and issues that he felt he had composing this this work. And, you know, recently I performed in Leipzig at the Gavant House, Mm. and um, there's an amazing museum there, the Mendelssohn Museum, and to be actually in the room where Mendelssohn passed and to know and to feel his sensitivity to... He was such a wonderful painter, watercolorist. He knew many languages. He was very sophisticated and wrote so many great works. But this violin concerto is something that is just stays in one's heart. You know, that opening of the concerto is, no, is like none other. Mm. I can't think of a piece that is as powerful as that, that just you basically have a couple beats before you, you start in and you just go full speed till the end. And every movement is connected. So there's really no break for the soloist. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, thanks, Felix. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for making me like run this marathon. It's so nice of you. But it's really like every time I play it, I just can't believe not only how difficult it is, but just how romantic, but in a very classical structure. So you have to find, you know, this incredible freedom within these linear lines that have been drawn mm-hmm. as the architecture of the piece. And that is just genius in itself that he, he wrote this concerto. I'm, I'm in awe. Well, you'll be performing that with Jerry Schwartz and the Mozart Orchestra of New York. And I'd like to talk with you about how much you've worked with Maestro Schwartz and what you enjoy about collaborating with him. I've worked with Maestro Schwartz for several decades now. I can't even believe it. I would <laughs> I can't even do the math anymore, but I I would say, you know, at least 20 years I've known him. And we first worked together in Japan at the Mostly Mozart Festival, and we played the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto. That was (laughs) the first piece that we worked together on. Wow. And since then, I have worked a lot at the Eastern Music Festival, and we've premiered also a work by Sam Jones, where he is the the leader of the all-star orchestra. Right. And um, that was really a different experience for me because not only was I premiering that work, which I had just gotten notice of, you know, a few weeks before the broadcast date, 
but the all-star orchestra works in that you just perform it for the cameras right there, kind of like live for the cameras. Hmm. And there's no audience until the audience watches it from their TV. So that was really exciting. <laughs> yeah. And, and what is it? Is there anything particular in the way that you and Maestro Shorts click or like say artistic ideas that you share or how you work together musically? You know, his background as a virtuoso trumpet player is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot think of another conductor who's just who played an instrument so long and then turned to conducting so he's very sensitive to making you shine you know Mm. he he gets how it is like the timing and the pacing of trying to land a run or something and there's just a a very um, easy collaboration between us you know you know it's just I think a very deep respect that we have for each other and it's always just fun. It's fun working with Jerry. So I'm really looking forward to kind of meeting in the middle of the country, having all these New Yorkers fly in, and then I'm going to be flying in from the West Coast, and then we're going to be making music with this, you know, Leipzig <laughs> right. composer, composer from 1844. So I think that's going to be a super great concert. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, Anne. I really appreciate you uh, calling and talking with me today. Yes, thank you, Ryan. And we're really looking forward to having you here in Oklahoma in just a little bit. Awesome. Thank you so much. You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. In this episode, we have explored the beloved violin concerto by Felix Mendelssohn in the lead-up to its performance at Armstrong Auditorium Thursday, November 1st by superstar violinist Anne Akiko Myers and the Mozart Orchestra of New York under the legendary Gerard Schwartz. We just heard an exclusive phone interview we had with Ms. Myers. More information about this event can be found at armstrongauditorium.org, or you can follow Armstrong Auditorium on social media. You can also follow at Anne Akiko Myers on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and that's Anne with an E. And you can also follow this program on Facebook and Twitter at music for life PCG. To end today's program, let's listen to a short recording of Anne Akiko Myers playing the violin. This is the love theme from Cinema Paradiso by Ennio and Andrea Morricone, arranged by Angela Morley. Keith Lockhart is conducting the London Symphony Orchestra. I hope you enjoy Ms. Myers' exquisite playing in this recording, and I hope to see you soon at Armstrong.
You have been listening to Music for Life, a production of KPCG 101.3 on the FM dial in Edmond, Oklahoma. From the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus, I'm Ryan Malone. Thanks for joining me.